Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 77 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Welcome guys. I hope you're having a great week. Super excited to be back here with you. Great to be here with you guys. Check in, let me know where you're at, what you're up to. It's great to see you all and feel free to drop any questions or comments as we go. A uh, couple of things for you before we get started. I'd love to get you to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, we're giving away this book at the moment. This is Marketing by Seth Godin. Seth is amazing. Game-changing book. Really simple book for uh, uh, if you want to make a difference, if you're trying to bring an idea into the world and you're a little bit scared about marketing. Uh, Seth's book just crystallizes so many incredible uh, concepts and Seth's such a good a communicator of those kind of things. So uh, that's my incentive. It's pure bribery. If you leave a review on iTunes, uh, I'll read one of them out next week and you will get a copy of this book. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Machu Picchu. We're heading to Machu Picchu in the first week of August. Uh, if you're interested in that, we're now accepting applications for that trip. Only six spots available. It's going to be epic. You know, like I keep thinking about how cool it's going to be just doing that trek up to Machu Picchu and just having you know, nice slow trek, heaps of time to connect with everyone and for everyone just to be in nature, be like out of like the day-to-day craziness, you know. And by the time we get to August, like I'm going to need a week out. <laughs> Maybe you will as well. Uh, so Adam and I are super excited about that and we're, um, we're doing our best to really curate a, a really cool bunch of people. So if you're looking for more than just a vacation, if you want to go to Machu Picchu and also like step up, uh, your leadership, if you want to go to the next level in your business or just know that you have to level up as an entrepreneur, this will be a great place for you to come and hang out. So reach out to me and let me know if you're interested in that. But on with the show. So excited to have Taylor uh, Conroy with me today. Taylor and I have been trying to put this together for a while and so I'm really grateful that he made time for me today. Uh, let me tell you about Taylor. Taylor is a former firefighter, real estate millionaire, bodybuilder, and he's a renowned social entrepreneur, human rights activist, and acclaimed speaker. His inspiring style of storytelling and rebellious thinking have engaged over 150,000 people around the world. And his social good companies have inspired over 1 million people in 80 countries to fundraise for social change. Built 500 schools and 150 homes in the developing world. And really excited to have you here. Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nathan. When I hear a bio like that, I'm like, wow, that's so impressive. I'm like, wait a second. I wrote it and it's a real fucking <laughs> highlight reel. And I'm glad that we're going to get like an hour to talk about like the yeah. shit storm that happens between those tiny like 0.0001% of life highlights and get really real with you. So thanks for having me on. Uh, awesome, man. So glad to have you here. Like I read through your bio and then just been kind of hanging out on your website and getting to know you a little bit. And you've done a shitload of things. It's like kind of hard for me to know like what to jump into, what to pinpoint. Well, what I've, excites you more, most right now, Nathan? What's your Well, good question. Uh, everything is the answer because we align on so many things. Uh, social entrepreneurship. I know you're an adventurer. I know you love business and, um, and speaking as well. So all those things excite me. So let's just go where we go. But just when I was reading everything that you've got up to, I kind of sense there's obviously this huge drive, this huge curiosity, this huge desire to do good in the world. Have you always had that? No. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a really overnight. I've always I've always been a really sensitive. Uh, I was always a really sensitive kid. You know, like uh, I remember my my dad caught a fish off our dock uh, at a cabin in Western Canada where I'm from. And I just cried seeing this fish die, you know, and at one point, but I grew up in a, I was born in a small, small town in uh, Western Canada called Cranbrook. If any of the other six people that live there are listening to this, <laughs> Shout um, out Cranbrook. then congratulations on getting internet. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> totally begging on it. But I grew up in a town, town of my, my family was like hunters, right? So I had a family of like born again, Christian hunters. Okay. So if you can take a picture of that, born again, Christian hunters and, uh, uh, women that typically stayed at home and, and baked amazing food. And I did not fit into that family very well. Uh, I didn't feel in, fit into the hunter culture. I didn't fit into the, like the really like manly man culture. I could fake it, you know, I could fake it pretty good. And, you know, I, I mean, I was a firefighter, so I know I can do put out fires, I guess, which is cool. And, you seems know, quite masculine. yeah, it seems like quite masculine. It is. And, uh, yeah, I did a lot of things. A lot of the drive, like you said, drive, a lot of the drive came from places that I don't know that I'm, I don't, I don't regret anything, but I don't know that 
I would want my drive to come from those same places. Like in my early 20s, it was like getting a stable job, proving myself, proving to like my dad and my mom that I could like be responsible and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and be, I was a firefighter, right? So, which was, which was great. And it's like very good for um, ego and, and for manhood, let's say. Like I had a job that made me feel like a man. Mm-hmm. And, and then that turned into, uh, I picked up selling real estate on the side. That was more driven by money. It was all driven by money. I was like, I want to make a whole bunch of money. And uh, I did. And at, at the time, my like early 20s, making money was enough drive. You know what I mean? Like it gave me enough energy to go and do it because underneath that was like proving myself to my dad, right? Like, like the, that's where it's where like the deep stuff really came from. And then once that was done and I had made a million dollars and I like my net worth was like a million bucks or something, I was like, wow, this is, this definitely isn't where it's all at. I'm not actually genuinely happy. Anyways, long story short, instead of like going through every little layer, I feel like part, part of this journey that we're all, I'm guessing that we're all on, I might just be projecting on the entire human race. So I guess I'll just speak for myself is myself is like doing these things for whatever reason that I'm doing them. And then what happens that as soon as it, I accomplish a goal, whether it be like a bodybuilding goal or a financial goal or like an impact goal, I get there and go, oh, that wasn't it. And I get a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer to what is actually me, what is fully me. Because I know when I am the genuinely the happiness, it's when I'm creating from a place of full authenticity of like, this is who I am in the world at this moment. And it's like shedding these layers of society's expectations, let's say, mm-hmm. you know? And so, in, like I said, the bio sounds super like impressive, right? It's like he's spoken all over the world and blah, 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 which is good. And that's not, a lot of that was coming from a really unconscious place. You know, a lot of that was coming from like proving myself to people, proving myself to myself, trying to show people that, I, that I'm enough, you know? And, and social good's no different. You know, I, I, a lot of the, there's many layers and facets to why we do anything in life, right? And one of the reasons that I got into the social good realm is I'm a people pleaser. I'm not trying to like totally rag on myself for the whole podcast <laughs> episode here, but yeah. like total people pleaser. I want people to like me, you know? And so my journey now, I'm, I'm 37 and I'm still on this full highway of tapping into my own authenticity, what's true for me and not giving a fuck what other people think, right? Like genuinely caring about people, don't get me wrong, genuinely caring about people and if their opinions are different than mine, being 100% okay with that. And that's been a real journey. Like I've called like Confessions of a People Pleaser would be my book. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. Yeah, it's like being a recovering nice guy like me. Yeah, yeah. it does Are you a recovering nice guy? Of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what do you mean of course? Yeah, why did I say of course? I, I feel like a lot of people are. I think that's what I mean. It's yeah. like, you know, a lot of guys are nice guys. And... <laughs> Yeah, so the recovery is also like ongoing. <laughs> you're so funny because it's like I feel like a lot of guys are nice because of course you feel like that because you're a nice guy, yeah, right? That's, that's what right. we you do. Is we nice project. Guys. I feel like a lot of guys are kind of like alpha males and they're out there to just like get what they want to get and they're super driven and stuff like that because that's what most of my life I would you know resonate with. Yeah. So when you look at the, the bio and you know you sort of rattle off all the things, like what I'm hearing is you didn't start out as this entrepreneur that wanted to change the world it was like you started out where a lot of us do which was like prove yourself to your parents become a firefighter be a man oh fuck i need to make money like money seems like the next thing go into real estate make a bunch of money and then i feel like a lot of people stop there right whereas you kind of okay it's it's still not that's not it and so yeah we look at the bio and all these things you've done actually they're like peeling off layers of an onion it's you've been trying to get closer and closer to your purpose or your mission Here's the thing that something that I really love to talk about is like when you have an impulse to do something, you have a genuine impulse to do something in your body and in your brain and your mind or your soul or wherever you feel it's coming from. A lot of people stop themselves from taking action on that impulse. They stop them from either caring what people think or thinking it's not altruistic enough or think it's too selfish or Mm. whatever it is. They stop themselves from going after that impulse. For some reason, throughout my career, I've never stopped myself from going after an impulse. Never. You know, when I decided to be a firefighter, it was, I did not grow up like drawing pictures of fire trucks. You know what I mean? Like I never even thought about it until I was like, I think it was 20 or something. And someone said, Hey, you should, you should be a firefighter. And I was like, why? And they're like, the guy, the guy I was working with at the time at a restaurant, he's like, well, because it'd be fun. You meet, you meet a bunch of bros. You get to hang out with the guys. And he's like, and women love firefighters. I was like, that's enough reason for me. 
Sounds I good. literally went, I literally just decided that night, okay, I'll be a firefighter. And then I went to... Uh, and the woman poured in fire. the next day, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then my funnel really filled with um, yeah. women. No. It's, and do the, the, the ridiculousness of that. But <laughs> let's get in, let's do get into the, for me, the women, and for you, the men, at some point in this podcast. I really, I want to dive into it. And... And what I'm saying is the impulse is so important. Like I was like, I had the impulse to do this. This just feels like a whole body yes to me. You know, mm-hmm. back then I didn't live in Encinitas or have crystals beside me. So I didn't know what a whole body yes was. But in essence, looking back, that's what it was. And I was like, I'll be a firefighter. I signed up that night for firefighting school, went to firefighting school, got hired as a firefighter, loved it. You know, we did, did the whole thing, saved lives, tried to save cats, you know, the whole thing. And <laughs> all from an impulse. And then the next one was I read this book that said, you know, I, I wanted to make more money and just read this book that said 90% of the world's millionaires are millionaires through real estate. So I was like, well, that's, I want, I have an impulse to make money. Okay, so if it's through real estate, I guess I'll just get my real estate license. And again, I didn't think about it. I just ordered the course that night, got the course, did it co- like correspondence kind of like on the side of firefighting and got my license. Totally loved it. I freaking loved real estate. I loved selling. I loved interacting with people. Did incredibly well at real estate. I made $500,000 when I was like, 24, 24, 25 years old. So at the time, I was like, I don't know what to, what to spend this money on, right? Like, I was like, I guess I want a motorbike and a, and a truck and I want that mm-hmm. house by the ocean and da, 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 And so by the time I was like 27, I had all these things, right? And Pretty the good most skills in- to build too, right? Like sales. Sales. It, it, but the most incredible thing that came from all of that wasn't the house, it wasn't the motorbike, it wasn't the house, it wasn't the watch, it wasn't the whatever, any of it. What came from it was this realization that stuff and and more zeros behind a one you know, in your bank account is not going to equate to happiness. I had the incredible fortune of learning at, by the time I was 27 that money is not it, right? And then had the impulse to, to start getting involved in philanthropy. And I was like, I need to travel. I need to see the world. And so I put the, I put the real estate business on autopilot, put a couple of business partners in front of, in charge of like running it. And I traveled the world for a year. And that whole year, I was like, just like trying to find my calling. What am I here for? Why, you know, some people are into astrology. It was my Saturn return. I turned 28 and hit the road mm. for, for like a year. And then it was like literally four years of trying to find myself. And, and but then really going, again, these impulses. This is why I think people get stuck is we feel something. But and us as men, especially, we can be so disconnected from the intuitive powers of our body and, and of like the universe flowing into us. That this impulse for us, if it doesn't make sense, and if it's not logical, and it's not part of like some stupid plan that someone came up with a while ago, mm. then it, then we don't actually take action on it. Where for myself, if I've got a strong impulse, I'm fucking doing it. You know, if I've got a strong impulse to date a woman, I'm pursuing full hunt mode. And anytime I've had an impulse to to date a woman, we're, we're together for at least two years. We learn an incredible amount about ourselves and each other and all the things. And that, I think, is the core of like going from, you know, the youngest firefighter in Canada, top grossing new realtor in the country to like building the, the highest converting fundraising platform on earth. Like these things happen because of a clear, this is what you're supposed to do. And we never know why we're actually supposed to do it. Just having an impulse is enough. Do you know what I mean? Like when we have an impulse, we, we get in our heads going, well, if I pick up real estate, then I'm, I'm going to learn sales. I guess that's good. And da, 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 that already, you're already ruining it, right? If you've got a strong impulse to do something, you have no idea why you're going to do it. Like, you know, if you, Nathan, if you're like, I just feel like I should go to uh, Hughes Kitchen in wherever that is in, in New York. I just feel like I want like a paleo sandwich or something. And you follow it because of the paleo sandwich. And then you meet the guy of your dreams. And because he's sitting at like the front bench there and looking out at the street, and you guys lock eyes and it's magic and it's kismet and all that kind of stuff. You went to Hugh for the freaking paleo sandwich and you got something exponentially more special and more magical and better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's life over and over and over again. You think, I thought I was getting into real estate to make money, but in reality, I was, I was doing it, sure, to make money, but I was doing it to realize that money's not it, which ended up propelling me into philanthropy, which ended up in us funding 500 schools and libraries and water projects all over the world. And then I thought, I'm, I'm getting involved in philanthropy to like make a change in the world, Right. And in reality, I got into, it's also multifaceted. There was exponentially more to it than that. And that's like, if there's one theme in life that I could, I would love to just like share, it's impulse. We all have these impulses of showing us what to do, but we've been taught to like have to make it logical, have to make it make sense. 
in order to act on it when we don't. An impulse is more than enough in and of itself. Yeah, I love this so much. How much time do you spend looking back and, you know, the Steve Jobs connecting the dots looking backwards? Do you ever look back and go, like you kind of just did it then a little bit, but do you ever go, ah, now I can kind of see why? Or do you kind of stay looking forward? There's a, have you ever read the book Autobiography of a Yogi? Uh, I started it, but I didn't finish it. Yeah, it's a big, it's a thick book, right? It the is. thing is, and it's I enjoyed cool. the portion I read. Yeah, the, the introduction was great. <laughs> Intro was highly recommended. Autobiography of Yogi, excellent. Good. I um, think I got what I needed. But in that book, there's this story, and the the guy Paramahansa Yogananda, he's the yogi who wrote the book. It's his autobiography. His guru, and so like some background, if if people aren't familiar with like the lineage of gurus and and, and yogis and why it's so important is. You know, the wisdom of a yogi is, is given to them by their guru, okay? They'll typically have one guru and they work with that guru, guru for like a huge chunk of their life. And that's where they learn everything. So Paramahansa Yogananda, who is a really prevalent here in Encinitas, he, uh, who passed away ages ago, I think, I think like 1960s, I believe. Oh, that's right. Anyways, um, his guru, a guy named Sri Yudhishwar. Sri Yudhishwar's guru, a guy named Lahiri Mahashai. Okay, and so Lahiri Mahashai, that's who we're going to talk about for a second right here. Lahiri Mahashai, his guru is a guy named Babaji. Okay, so back in the day, Lahiri Mahashai is chilling. He's got a wife. He's got at least a kid or a couple of kids. He's a householder, right? And he's got a job, the whole thing. Babaji kind of comes to him to like remind him that he's this enlightened being and get him back on the yogi path. Babaji brings him into the woods. They're by this river. And then Babaji like basically out of nowhere erects this like this palace of gold, this opulent gold, rubies, emeralds, the most beautiful palace that Lahiri Mahashai could imagine. He puts us up and he says, look, Lahiri, this is for you. And Lahiri's like, whoa, what? What are you talking about? Like, aren't we supposed to be yogis? Like, why are you giving this to me? And Babaji says, Babaji's like this all-knowing, omnipotent being. And, and he says, because you have in you the desire for riches, you still have in you this desire for riches and opulence. And so I'm giving it to you so that that can be satisfied, and therefore we can get on with our work. Therefore, we can get on with being yogis and you know helping the world. And so he had to satisfy that desire. And so many of us in our lives do not satisfy a desire that is truly ours because we don't satisfy it. It's sitting there, and it's yearning, and it's wanting, and it's and it's building resentment, and it comes out in different ways. And that desire might be who knows what it is. It could be riches, could be fame could be some weird health thing, could be whatever their, your desire is. And if it's not actually looked at and embraced and like, you know, empowered, if you will, like to go and gone after, then it's going to sit there, right? This is like, trying to like, like, bypass it and do the right thing. Exactly. Do the right thing based on fucking what? Based on what is the right thing? Like the, what, the right thing where you are in New York is a completely different right thing than if you go to Israel, or is a completely different right thing if you go to parts of Canada or is it completely or if you go like fucking a mile from where you are, doing the right thing is completely different. Right? So it's like based on what? And so we stop ourselves from wanting these things and we shove them deep inside. And and I think that's just a massive detriment. And therefore it actually, in my mind, the most spiritual thing, the most spiritual thing you can do is embrace your desires, embrace your impulses fully because they were given to you by someone. They're, they're, they're there for a reason, mm. right? And, and the faster that we can get through the ones that have been given to us by society of like the ones like, you know, I want to have 500,000 Instagram followers or whatever, right? Maybe that's, here's the thing is like, maybe you want to get 500,000 Instagram followers and the deeper meaning behind it is so you can have it and it's over and you realize you don't want it. That in and of itself is an incredible gift. Or you could end up getting those 500,000 followers and become like this activist for the ocean and make an incredible change in the world. Well, and you go, don't know actually, why you exactly want it. That's exactly what I wanted. Like we always exactly. talk about and figuring out that's exactly what I wanted. Like you, yeah. you're talking about following the impulses going, follow them. It kind of feels like follow them, but they won't be what you want, but follow them anyway. But there is a chance that they may be what yeah. you want. Right. I think in the long term, they're all exactly what you want because they're all those like stepping stones to get you where you this it's called your life path your purpose right like it's to get you to where you're supposed to go or it's like it's put you on that path where you're supposed to go i feel like if we really follow those and even like when you were taught you were doing the intro to this um, and i'm kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs i was like writing down you know a couple things that are just on my mind right now i had a really stressful like really like kind of an anxious morning i woke Mm -hmm. up with a lot of anxiety and so i was like still kind of like working out the residue of that and 
I was just writing down here direction and like, I like to feel into my body. Like I'm talking, thinking I'm going to be writing a book soon. And so I wrote down, right. And I, and my body goes, ah, oh, yes. And I wrote down speak. And it's like, yeah. And I wrote down like build the company. And it's like, not, not super exciting. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's telling us at all times, people say, well, it, it doesn't have to be like an audible voice being like, Nathan, build a podcast. Yeah. Right. But you can just think, huh, I'd really love to do a podcast. And if your whole body is just like, yeah, I would like to do that, then go and do that, even if it makes no sense in the world. Obviously it does, obviously it does for you. What's your impulse? What's coming up for you? What, do you, what pops to mind when I'm rambling about all this stuff? Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Mike Silverman said he tuned in at the perfect time. Mike just launched his own podcast uh, about mastering midlife. So check that out. That's something oh, nice. that Mike's wanted to do for a long time. So that's really cool. Well, so, so my life story, most people have heard it, but you, you haven't, but it's, you know, I, I was a pilot for most of my life and that was like my boyhood dream. So that was my impulse since I was eight, like, you Nailed know, it. to the detriment of everything, right? It was just like obsession out to the airport, 12 years old, sitting in the grass, watching airplanes, like reading every wow. book, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I won the public speaking award at school when I was like 15 and we got a book, you know, we got presented a book for the award. I'm like flying yeah. book. So like I was good at public speaking, but I'm like, yeah, just, it was an access to get the flying book. Um, I've used you to get a flying book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I did that for a long time and, you know, it felt like it was just the realization of a boyhood dream. You know, I got to do, I, I got to fly everything. I flew all over the world, all over Asia, lived in Japan, met hundreds of amazing people, great friends all over the world. And what I was thinking as you were talking, I was like, yeah, I, I had these impulses. Entrepreneurship has always been like right there for me in some way. Like, you know, I just, I love the idea of business. It's more like a passion or just an, an interest than like mm -hmm. um, a way to make money or something like that. So that's always been sitting there. My brother and I started a fish and chip shop, like, you know, when I was in my early 20s, that kind cool. of thing. And so uh, a friend of mine, you, you say impulse, a friend of mine says, follow your nose, but like K-N-O-W-S. So like follow your nose, follow your knowing. Yeah. And when you were talking, I was like, that's where most people stop, right? They get the good job, high paying, retirement funds filling up, house, and that's it. Now it's time to like ignore the impulses because I've got the it's, thing, I've got the job, like it's all good. It would, it would be crazy to leave this. Here's the thing though, is like just the wording, right? They've got the good job. If your intention in life is stability, monotony, repetition, and no change, you've nailed it. You've fucking <laughs> I think that nailed is, it. I think that is people's right? intention, a lot of people's desire. I feel like it's their unconscious intention. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the intention that's put on them by society you need to get a good job or their parents or their culture or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And we're all different humans. And you're totally right. One is stability. Like one is intention is I just want stability and therefore that's like their highest need and desire. Perfect. Be stable and do your thing. And chances are 80 to 90% of the people that are in those jobs it's like, what is your intention for your life? For me, my intention is expansion, right? And because my intention is expansion, when challenge, when discomfort, when shit storms arise, they're an opportunity to expand. They're not like, oh no, this is, everything's ending. Yeah. It's, if my intention is expansion, my intention is to be like, I, we were, I think we put in this right up, we're going to talk about psychedelics. What's a repetitive uh, experience that I have when I dive into psychedelics is that at some point I feel like I get asked by whatever label you want to put it on it. I get asked by something. Are you willing to drop it all? Are you willing to really go through this shit? If this lifetime needs to be really fucking hard, are you willing to do it? And every single time I go, yes, my intention is expansion. Whether I got to go through the shit again, like, like we were talking, we were talking about my bankruptcy too. Whether I've got to go bankrupt again, whether I've got to go through whatever, whatever is most in line with my fullest expansion, I'm a yes for, mm. right? And, the, and it, what always happens right after fully surrendering, I mean like, yes, I'm willing to do, go through whatever it is, whether it be never meeting uh, a life partner, whether, whether it be dying tomorrow, whether it be, you know, being in a place where I'm being a quadriplegic, whatever it is, I'm a yes for it if it's in line with my fullest expansion. And if as soon as I say yes, like a genuine yes, not like, yeah, sure, I know that's what you want to hear, but like a genuine yes, as soon as that happens, every single time it's like, okay, cool, well, we don't need to do that anyways. So your life's just going to get better, you know? But if I was to fight it, 
and this is something like an experience with psychedelics, like if you're going to fight it, if you're going to try to control the uncontrollable experience that you've signed up for, shit is going to go weird. It's going to yeah, go that's dark. That's what I did on ayahuasca was try to like land and oh. <laughs> just got tortured, you know, for six hours. Exactly. And, and isn't it fascinating that in those six hours, let's say deep in like hour three, when you're in like the throes of it and you're still trying to control it, you're one shift, one energetic acknowledgement, one word away from full relaxation. You're, mm. And that word, other, everyone's got a different word for it. Mine is just yes, just going yes. Mm. You know, if I'm deep on a psychedelic experience and like I've had it where like the black dragon comes and it's got fangs and it's fucking scary. As soon as I look at it, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, fuck yes. And I dive into its mouth. You know what I mean, I like literally like dive in and I go like, what are you? And always that's like that's, that. that's been a struggle for me. And like the ayahuasca was like a, a magnified version of my life. Like I guess that's kind of the point a lot of the time. But for me, like I'll say yes. Like you said you'll say yes to anything that is it an expansion, right? Everything that's like gonna expand me, take me to something greater, mm-hmm. I'm a hell yes to. For me, I'm like, hell yes. And there's a couple of conditions. So yeah. I'll only do it if this and this. I'm a hell yes yeah. to this part. And yeah. so it's interesting and it's still a part like that I, uh, I yeah. struggle with. So I'm interested in like if you have any like wisdom on that. But the, the, the ayahuasca journey was like that. It was like, I'm a hell yes to ayahuasca. I'm here, I'm doing it, I'm excited. And then when it started getting a bit like squirrely, mm-hmm. I was like, not a hell yes, not a hell yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But ayahuasca was like, no, this, we're, this is what's this happening. This is what you need to see. So you can yeah, either resist it and be tortured, which is what is I it? chose. That and I think that is like a, a my, your ayahuasca experience could be like a microcosm for life. Like you're going to get to where you're going. It's up to you if you're going to enjoy the ride. It's up to you if you're on the roller coaster and going, or you're going back like yeah. the whole time, right? Yeah, but it's it's it, it sounds easy when you say it like that, but it still feels like I'm not sure what part of me is still holding on. It's like I've given up my career, like that was super tough. Gave up a ton of money, traveled the world, left my home, sold my things. So it's like, what what am I still energetically trying to hold on to but there is something because i can i can feel like there's still some mm-hmm. version of safety that i want to grab onto yeah i mean i think it means you're a human being so that's good congrats and buzz and here he totally here's the thing is that i'm sorry you're a spiritual being having human experience um and you're very sparkly you're a unicorn you're a real unicorn Nathan. thank you like yeah. you poop rainbows and sparkles. i'm beautiful but i don't know that i'm beautiful and that's what makes me beautiful ah nailed yeah. it yeah that's hot um, so here's what I think is that, and this kind of correlates to what I do now, which is like speaking, right? I'll use the example in speaking and then because it correlates to life in that okay. a lot of people think that to be a really amazing speaker, you have to speak in front of a whole bunch of like big audiences to get over your fear of public speaking. You got to speak a whole bunch and then you can get over it. You obviously were over yours when you were 15, you won the contest, right? But most people are very uncomfortable with, with public speaking. And I think you have to get in front of audiences to get comfortable with public speaking. In reality, you don't have to get comfortable with public speaking per se. You have to get comfortable with the feeling that public speaking elicits in you. Right. So like number one is like, okay, the first step is what are the feelings that come up for me when I get on stage? I feel like I'm going to be judged. I feel like I'm going to screw up. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm an imposter. I feel like I'm blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. Everyone's got a slightly different, quite similar, usually uh, experience with speaking. And so when these things come up, it's a matter of going, identifying what those are, and then also identifying where can I feel those feelings when I'm not on a stage, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you can get comfortable with those feelings, period, whether it be on a stage or not, then once you get on that stage and you feel those feelings, then they don't have as much impact on you. And therefore, you can be a much more emotional, present, vulnerable, authentic speaker, which is what people are looking for, right? Because that stuff can get in the way of it. Exactly. And that can, so you can make a habit of either not caring what people think or feeling like you're enough or whatever it is. And that can be basic. That can be like, if you're, let's say your feelings are, I feel judged. I feel like people are going to, I uh, think I'm weird. I feel, I feel like I'm not enough, whatever it is. Well, I heard you, it, it, just to throw this in there, I heard it said that people have a fear of uh, being seen and when they are seen, not being loved. Deep. Yeah. So, so one, to continue on that thread and that probably ties in with yours, is like you can mimic those feelings in everyday life. You don't have to do it on a, on a stage. Like you go to Starbucks, if your thing is scared of being judged, go to Starbucks, get in the lineup and, uh, and, and then just lay down. 
just like lay down in the lineup and force yourself to sit there for one minute laying on the ground mm. because you're going to feel like people are judging you. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. for me, if I'm nervous before a talk, I'll go and I'm like flying somewhere to do a speech. I'll force myself to get to the front and go to the front of the plane. And it's just as painful every freaking time I do it. I go to the front of the plane and I do these like really deep, awkward lunges all the way back to the back of the plane. And I look people in the eyes, deep lunge, deep lunge. Now I've got 300 plus people looking at me thinking this guy's super weird. And so I'm, I'm actually forcing them to judge me, right? Or for, and, and therefore feeling judged, feeling the feelings that I get when I'm on stage. And by the time I get to the back of the, back of the plane, I'm like exhilarated. I'm like, I did it. I broke through that fear. I can do anything. And then I'm exponentially more comfortable when I get on stage. And that whole ramble was to, to correlate to life, right? Like if you're in your life, you're a control freak, right? Like if in, in your life, you're trying to control things, you've got like caveats as to when you'll surrender and when you won't surrender. Then when in life, when, when in the small times when you don't have to leave your career or mm. all the other things that you've done, when can you do that in life? It, maybe you can do it in a relationship, right? Maybe it's in a relationship, you can surrender to a deeper level. Maybe it's during sex, you can surrender to a deeper level. Maybe it's within a friendship, you can surrender and, and really be open and honest with someone about something that you don't want to be open and honest about. So learn to surrender when there's not so much at stake so that when there is something at stake, you're comfortable. And it's not even that you're comfortable. It's just that it's a habit that you mm-hmm. just surrender. In that moment, you surrender. And I'm not saying that like I'm sitting here like floating on a, floating on a fucking levitating well, you look Whatever. like that fucking but, fire in the background. Totally. This is this is all to make it look like I've got my shit together. This is actually a set. It's working. And uh, I rented it. No, I'm joking. This is this is my home. But uh, yeah, I like the fireplace. But anyways, it's a habit. You know what I mean? Like the people say success yeah. is a habit. It's because you're successful in like your individual little decision. Comfort, like comfortable in yourself is a habit. Authenticity is a habit. Character is a habit. Mm. You know, comfort in your own skin is a habit. And so we can start it and you don't have to start it on a stage or whatever. You can start it like right now, you know? That's awesome. Let's go to the relationship. This is my friend Joel saying, hey, bro, good conversation here. Enjoying it with a morning coffee. Joel's in New Zealand, very highly accomplished pilot in New Zealand. And cool. uh, he's a massive surfer. So I know you're a surfer. So have you got like a 10-second surf story for Joel? Oh, I was surfing with a whale yesterday. That's, That's pretty nice. cool. Yesterday. It was, um, yeah, yesterday. I live on the beach. My, so right there. Uh, I was on my longboard, a 10 foot, because a small day. And there's a whale out there, maybe like 40 feet from where I was. Oh. And it like came up and I was like, holy shit, that's a whale. And it's going like straight along the beach. And so I just started paddling beside it. And I had to paddle alongside this whale for a couple hundred meters, which was absolutely incredible. Mm. So it's not it's like a surf story. It's more of a whale story. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that's cool. What do you, I've got some wonderful waves lately. And uh, I saw I actually stumbled yeah. upon something in Peru, like you said, the biggest wave in Peru or something. Longest in Chicama. Chicama is the longest, longest wave in the world. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I've never surfed before, so I don't know what that means. Does that mean like you can, it's like distance wise? The longest. Can, ah, okay. Exactly. When the swell hits it right, it's five bays and they, they all line up to be like one. And then you get in a boat and the boat just like brings you back to the yeah, beginning. It's, so pretty, cool. it's, it's pretty mind blowing. It's mind blowing. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So relationships. So for me, uh, kind of bouncing off the last point, I knew in myself, like during my last few relationships, that I wasn't, I hadn't mastered the dating process. So I, I kind of, oh, actually, back to your first point as well. Like I knew that I hadn't fully followed all my impulses, you know, around uh, experiences or dating or sex or anything like that. And so I knew. I didn't feel like I was settling, but I just knew there was like way more work to be done. And that if I stayed in that relationship without doing that work, that there would always be something missing. And so, yeah, the, the last, uh, I've been single for 18 months, almost two years actually. Yeah. And so I've just been really playing in that realm of like getting uncomfortable, dating, uh, lots of dating and just seeing how I show up in dating, where am I fake, where am I authentic, when is it too much, when is it not enough, or whatever the context is. But just being quite yeah. playful with it and just, you know, to the, the st- lying down in Starbucks story, mm-hmm. kind of knowing that I can be thrown into any environment and either approach like a hot guy and know that I'll be nervous but I can handle it or even just, uh, yeah, know that if I am dating, I, I'll know how to be Again, maybe nervous, but I can be authentic, but I can still be playful, you know, and find yep. that balance. So, so that's where I'm at so with your, dating. Your intention with dating is playful exploration? 
yeah, I've never used that phrase before, but that that's that would be true. And it's really just to, again, it's, it's, it's not to be comfortable. There was a good distinction or good catch you had there before. But it's to know myself fully and know that if I do end up, when I do end up with the, the one, let's just use that for now, I'll know that I can be the most fully expressed me, you know. Because you've explored, because you've dove in and, yeah. and taken the time to get to know yourself in those situations. Something like that, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think this whole, the one notion is an absolutely fascinating one. <laughs> uh, I'm more, yeah, I'm more of like a, I think the way that we show up in, in, in life, or so the way that we show up maybe like in our career is probably somewhat similar to the way we show up in a relationship. Yeah. You know, like, you know, how, how have I shown up in my career? Firefighter, real estate, uh, social entrepreneur, fundraising company, impact travel company, now a public speaking company, five careers, I'm 37. And how do I show up in relationship? Uh, well, there's that serious one, that serious one, that serious one, they're like serial monogamous, mm-hmm. right? So like, and it breaks in between and then and like new fully in on each one, fully in on each one and then running away because of my patterns coming up. And I've probably had five major girlfriends, right? So that's how I show up. And so right now it's a nice shifting point in my life. Thank goodness. Where what I'm sinking into now is a, a new phase of solidity. It's a new phase of like longevity. It's a new phase of just really sinking into who I am and what's aligned with me and going with that mm-hmm. rather than just kind of like doing the ticking off of all the boxes. And I hope and I, I believe that within the next, my guess is probably my, the impulse that I have is that in about three years, I'll probably be with the person that I plan to you know, live life with, my life partner to procreate with, mm-hmm. to you know, raise a family with that kind of thing. Uh, that seems that's like the impulse that I have at the moment. And so... Do you feel ready? Is that like a good way to put it? Uh, right now, I feel like I'm off of two relationships that were not back-to-back, but still pretty close together. Uh, the most recent one was very clearly a reaction to the one before that. Okay? Like it, it felt amazing and aligned and all of that stuff. And it still... It reeks of it reeked of of being partially to do with the relationship before. Yeah. Okay. And because of that, because of that, I yeah, I found the opposite. And this woman is incredible. Like, oh my God, I've never had a friendship in relationship like this before. It was just so amazing, you know? And thank I'm so happy that her and I are in the same kind of friend crew. So we'll end up being really good friends again. But there was part of it, there was a remnant there of of it being uh, the remnants of the other relationship kind of seeping into this one. And so at the moment right now, sure, I'd love to fast forward to like time that I'm ready. But at the moment, it's a phase of like exploration. It's a phase of finding myself again. And if I'm like really open and honest with you, it's at this moment, I'm still kind of covering up the hurt from the last relationship with, with dating probably a little bit too early, I would say. I would say the healthiest thing for me to do is the hurt was like, I was, dude, I was so into this. I, I felt so clear on this woman, the most mm-hmm. recent one. Like I was like, I just look into her eyes and I just felt like, I honestly just felt like forever. It felt real. It felt solid. It felt like this woman, this is like a partner, you know, this woman's, this is solid. And it felt like some deep soul stuff from long ago, let's mm-hmm. say that was finally coming together, which felt really wonderful. And it was a very different type of relationship than I've ever been in before. So what hurts is that is looking back and, and learning to trust myself again, you know, cause I'm looking at that and be like, well, I thought this and it didn't work out. So what do I know? So I'm in that state of, I'm at this exact moment in the mm-hmm. state of like, I don't even know what I, do I know anything about relationships? Maybe yeah. not. You know, that was a, a huge like start of a, a piece of growth for me was, you know, when I was in uh, my first relationship, like everything had gone perfectly in my life. Like everything, career had gone great, got into a relationship, come out, everyone loved me for it. It was great. And then had this breakup and I was like, oh, I thought I knew everything about everything. What the fuck? Now, yeah. what does that mean? Like, yep. Yeah. Which I guess is, you know, shatters the confidence a little bit, but it ultimately led me here, you know, because I ended up questioning my career and everything. Wow. When yeah. was that? Were you, how old were you? It was 2014, so five years ago. Yeah. How old are you now? 35. 
got it seven thirty. So like your Saturn return time when it's like a, I think it's a really yeah. common time for stuff to get really shaken up for us in our totally. lives, right? Twenty nine thirty, yeah, yeah. And now that you're thirty five, it's like kind of stepping into your life's purpose and um, building solidity and longevity. You know, they say like, statistics show that as far as like if if money was an indicator of you know solidity or success or something like that, that that typically we make more between the times between the ages of 40 and 50 than the rest of our lives combined. Mm. Like those 10 years, more than we made up until then, more than we'll ever make after then, like all of it combined will make the most between our 40, 40 and 50. Cause that's cool. Cause you know, I'm guessing that probably, hopefully that translates a bit to relationships as well, mm. which is probably why I've got the impulse that when I'm 40, I'll probably be in it. Like, I feel like this has been one massive learning phase relationship yeah. wise. Uh, like, what do I love? What do I not love? What do I, what's like my unconditional, like my, or my non, uh, negotiables. You know? I, love, I love seeing those memes or whatever you call them that pop up occasionally that are like all the people that were successful after 40. You know, yeah. it was like, I think even like Ricky Gervais, like I love Ricky Gervais. You know, he didn't get yeah. into comedy until he was 39 or something like that is when he went onto radio, that. you know, out of an office job and all these other things like the Colonel Sanders, whatever the guy's name is, that started mm-hmm. KFC. Like it was his last kind of go at business yeah. at like 68 years old or something like that. I love the kind of stories. You know, because I think often we do think like we're too old or we're past it or whatever. Exactly. Something that's been coming up for me today, I don't know, let me know if you resonate with this, is I've been really asking myself today, like at this exact second, if we talked three weeks ago, dude, confidence over the moon, business was crushing, we're ahead of our goals, rocking it, blah, 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 best month of my life, last month, the whole thing. Then fast forward three weeks to today, which is why I woke up really anxious. And it's like, oh man, we're really behind. Mm. You know, sales are really behind for where I thought they were going to be. And because we did this transition where I got out of doing active sales, I have a salesperson who's doing enrollment and whatnot. And does this trigger a and, bunch of patterns for you? Like when you, you have that feeling of like, I'm behind. oh yeah, dude, it's like, oh no, what if, what if it all falls apart? What if, what if his business isn't as good as I thought it was? And in reality, we've enrolled 150 people into our program. We have a hundred percent success rate with our clients. Like we help people land TEDx talks, right? A hundred percent. Here's the crazy, the funniest thing about patterns, right? 100% success rate. Yeah, what can you get 100% out of Every single days? client is happy. Mm. What, what? Like, when does that happen in a business? Every single client has done, we've done exactly what we told them that we were going to do and yeah. over-delivered for the, the vast majority of them, right? We have lots of clients who've landed two, three, four different TEDx talks. We're like, we told you we land you one, by the way, you got four, you know? And so over-delivered, and we've again, we've enrolled 150 people into this program. There are, and, and there's no shortage of people that want to get their message out to the world with a TEDx talk. Yet, because of this, this like one little down 14 days, I'm just, oh my God, oh, oh no, what if it's not going to, you know? <laughs> so funny, like, where does this come from? Luckily, yeah. I've got a sweet therapy session booked for Saturday where I'm going <laughs> to do this like energy healing thing. I don't know what she's going to do. She like dings these things and puts them close to my ear. But I always feel better that after. Do it, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that should really clear it all. <laughs> that should take care of it. <laughs> we'll do um, some tapping. Yeah, no more fear yeah. after that. Even yeah. though I think I'm... <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I'm laughing. It's a bit. It's a very effective technique. Uh, I just want to swing back to something you said before because it's, it's sitting on my mind, and it's this idea of like jumping from relationship to relationship. You know, yeah, not dismissing it, but you know that pattern that you pointed out, and something that my coach brought to me was that I keep looking to generate excitement outside of me, and she used the oh, word excitement, which that. resonates with me. Yeah, and so. You know, so when I left flying, the first thing I did is went fully nomadic for a couple of years. And so I just traveled around, lived in Costa Rica, lived in Cape Town, lived in Berlin, and uh, tried to just keep mixing up the external environment because life as it is, is not exciting enough for me. So I've got to keep like generating excitement. And I think I do the same thing in relationships, right? Like when it gets to the point where it's like, yeah, you know, the honeymoon period's over. It's not as exciting. It's like, okay, we'll change the person change the external mm. thing. And so, you know, you talked about like this shifting into, into mid-30s. And one of the things I'm looking at is what does mastery look like? What does depth look like? These are like concepts nice. that I've avoided. I've tried to like, another analogy is like drill a hundred shallow wells instead of one deep well. And what's the impact of that? And so one of the things like when you're looking for depth or mastery is you have to be able to generate excitement internally. So it's like, okay, like if I'm... Um, you know, working with a client or something like that, and I'm not that excited about it. It's like, well, old me is like, well, 
get rid of the client, get a new client. New me is yeah. like, well, how can I generate thrill and enthusiasm and excitement in this mm. moment with this person? Yeah. And so to me, that well, that's the challenge I'm living into. Well, that's the commitment I have is what would that look like if I could stay and commit to mastery and commit to depth in one or two areas that I'm really passionate about? Because I can see the pattern would also be, okay, oh, well, I've done coaching and it was really enjoyable and I, I got a lot out of it now, but I want to do something new. But the cost is no mastery, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you just, uh, I just noticed that when you were talking about your relationship pattern. That's really, really strong. I really like that. I think that's super helpful for me at this moment. Really helpful because I have in the past been really um, impulsive. I'm very happy with it, to be totally honest. Like I'm ecstatic with it because each one has led to the next thing. And you're right. There's this time where it feels like which is now. Like and dive deep. Like well, maybe this, you're, like if you're comfortable being impulsive, maybe it's time to get uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's nice. I like that. Be uncomfortable and therefore be stable. Right. Yeah. And create that stability that went like impulsive between going between things can be very unsettling at Mm. times. Right. And I know that the the most contribution that I can create and give, the most impact that I can make comes when I've got this like rock solid foundation and I'm just doing things of really high quality, really very well thought out. Like, you know, like so we've, we've built 500 schools and libraries, we've built 150 homes and the reason that we haven't done more is because the foundation was always kind of like iffy. The foundation was always just like, ah, it just wasn't there because we we're trying to do things way too fast without a really solid base and really mm-hmm. high quality. And now with this business that I have now, which is very, very solid is, and even though I'm freaking out today, but it's very solid realistically. Um, because of that, I can sit and plan out. Like I can see very clearly, we'll probably build 30, 30, 33 houses at the end of the year, like all in one weekend. So cool. Next year, we'll probably do 300. Like it's very, very clear how we'll do it. The next year, I'd love to do 3,000, mm. you know, all in one year. And it, it's just basically following the exact same model. And it's because of this really deep, solid foundation that we've built in the business that we can, you know, it's like, you know, fill your cup and share from the overflow rather than, you know, have an empty cup and just trying to like, yeah, <laughs> throw some drips yeah. out. Yeah. So what do you think then? What's your, what's your next, what's your biggest growth opportunity, would you say, in relationships at the moment? Mm. Understanding why I want a relationship. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So why do you because want one? Or do you want one? Well, that's kind of the, the question I'm sitting with a lot. Because it's, again, you, you pointed to it at the start of like what, what you should do or what you should have. You kind of should be in a relationship. That's sort of what's inside of me, right? And so... I kind of lean towards that. And when you're single in your 30s, you know, it's a thing. It can be a thing. So, um, yeah, it's actually digging in and going, okay, well, two things. One, why do I want a relationship? And two, is staying single is very comfortable for me, right? So Got it. The, the discomfort would be getting into a relationship. So it's understanding, like, what's worth getting uncomfortable for. What relationship would be worth getting uncomfortable for? And it's not like, I don't feel like, what, what can I get from a relationship? It's not, not that strong, but it's just like, what's the possibility that a relationship creates that being single doesn't? I'm trying to really stay in that exploration. Does that make sense? Beautiful. Yeah. And do you feel a clear, like a clear yes impulse? Like, yeah, I'd like to be in a relationship. No. Got it. So, so at the moment, that and that's the th- that's something that's so interesting too. Is like I see a lot of people going through life and and having one foot in, one foot out into the yeah. phase that they're in, into the the next phase that they think they should be in. Yeah. Right. Like they're in the single phase and being like, yeah, and they're, they're like looking for their life partner at the same well, time. And the like, fear comes up, right? Like, what if I'm single at seventy or whatever? Blah blah blah. So then this reaction to fear, you know, exactly, and making a place from a decision from a place of fear, which, as you can imagine, goes horrendously typically every single time right like but wouldn't it be amazing nathan if we could if we could really embrace the phase that we're in if we could really go oh my gosh like this the phase, like i know one thing you want to talk about or i think we said we were going to talk about was coming back from bankruptcy right one thing that i absolutely loved in the process of being bankrupt was i decided to reframe it not say how fast can i get back to where i was or how fast can i get to like a solid financial situation. It was more, 
I have the opportunity now at the age of 35, which is why my bank, my bankruptcy ended when I was 35. I have the opportunity now to enjoy every phase, to enjoy that phase of moving out of my friend's guest room who, who let me stay with him while I was you know, going through it because I couldn't pay rent, you know, going from there to having my own place and celebrating that and being like, I have my own place. This is incredible. Mm. And then going from my own place to my own place that actually had a room, wasn't like a studio, <laughs> right? And be like, wow, that's amazing too. And then moving to a place that has the kitchen that I, that, that I kind of want and it has plants. And like the place that I'm in right now is the first place in eight years that I've had furniture because I was kind of like nomadic and all over the place. I had sold my house and sold anything that I, everything I owned while I was building these companies. And now I have like this big area rug in front of me. Like I haven't had a freaking area rug for 10 years. You know, these cushions, I, you know, here's the thing, Nathan, it sounds crazy, but just the fact that I own this cushion, this is my fucking cushion, <laughs> not yours. It's mine. And I didn't cushion. borrow it from someone. I don't have to give it back. It's mine. And wherever I go, I can bring it. Mm. My cushion. And, and that then led to, so that was a huge win. And then this thing, dude, this was bit, this was like a straight up dream. This monster crystal, look at this thing. This is a Lemurian, Lemurian crystal. Okay. This to me was a dream. I, I just thought, man, it'd be so amazing. I remember when I had a dollar and 12 cents in my bank account and thinking, I just, you know, I just love to have my own place. I'd love for it to be big and bright and open and airy and right next to the ocean. And if I had that place, I would put big crystals in it that I love. Mm. And this thing I freaking love. I put this in bed. I sleep with this thing. It's like something out of Game of Thrones. It's incredible. Yeah. I'm part of the 0.1% of the population that's never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Sorry. It was until last Friday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to stay out of it, I think. Sounds like crack. (laughs) But, um, anyways, the reason I'm showing that is like, I'll pop it right there. Is this is so, because of enjoying each phase, I'm so like, I look at that thing, I'm like, oh my God, that's a representation of where I'm at right now. Like, like this is what's happening. And now I live on the beach and I have this beautiful like two bedroom place and a beautiful kitchen. And I just had so much joy. I know I'm like rambling about this for a second, Nathan, but I got so much joy out of like filling up the air mattress in my second bedroom because now I can have guests. For 10 years, I didn't have a home. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't have guests. And now I have that. So just like, enjoying every phase rather than being like, you know, if I didn't sell that real estate company and I kept it, I would be a kajillionaire right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now I get to enjoy every single phase and learn during every single phase and keep building that foundation stronger and stronger and stronger. And then it's like, you know, this anyone who's like into your high vibe and all that kind of law of attraction and all that kind of stuff, like gratitude is like the core thing. Right. So if I was like wishing I was somewhere else, that's kind of the opposite of gratitude. Like I'm so grateful for being in this exact phase right now. And being on this freaking call with you is another sign. Like, must be doing something right. Nathan Seward was like wants to jam on a podcast. There I'm <laughs> Yeah, like it speaks to a commitment too. Like, you know, getting a place and buying cushions and crystals. It's like a settling in a way. Like you're you're saying, exactly. Hey, this is I'm putting down some roots here. Yeah. That's, that's a new I'm phase. Home. I'm yeah. Home. I love talking to you. I love your openness. I love the authenticity. I love that this feels like warm and enjoyable to have this connection. So thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for spearheading it. Thanks, Robin. No worries. Yeah, thanks, Rob. I hope she gets to listen to this or watch it. Uh, I have a few minutes left. Um, I have some questions I'd like to ask you. Well, that's nice. I've got some questions I'd like to ask you, Nathan Seward. Tell me this. If you were going to die in five minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, fully dead. But during those five minutes, you have access to all of the men. The men, all, you, you have access to, get, that was starting bad. Um, how many men minutes. could you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had the ability to communicate one thing to all of those men on earth, and they would trust you and believe you and like really soak it in, what is mm-hmm. the thing that you would communicate to them? Oh, that's a good question. My initial impulse, I don't have an answer. Okay, I think and life is so confusing. Um, if I did, it would be something around the lesson you were teaching at the start, which is, you've read the book The Alchemist? Yep. Yeah. So I think that book is fucking magic. It's my favorite book. And it's this idea that we're all going after our personal legend or like you said, like I keep following my impulses and it's like peeling back the layers of an onion. I don't see like 
I tried something and it failed, so that was the wrong thing. I go, great, I'm one step closer to my core, my mission, yeah. who I truly yeah. am, my full self-expression. So I think if I could teach everybody, it would be do that. Don't stop. Keep going on your mission. And every time you take another step, even if you uh, fail or even if it didn't work or even if you felt like you've tried everything and it's still not working, that's just one more step. You're just one more step closer. But don't stop. Don't Beautifully go. put. Yeah. Beautifully put. Thank you. Thanks Something on behalf like of all the people listening. And I think that's probably goes. And would, would you suggest the same um, advice for women as well? Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't make a distinction between men and women. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I know I, the reason I asked in that fashion of like the men is because I think we were going to talk about masculinity, and but it sounds like that advice is very relevant for either gender, any gender. Yeah, I think so. And the, the, the difference would be that the challenges and the shoulds are different uh, between men and women, I think. But yeah. the, the things that get in the way of this journey are different. But the journey itself or that, that core message of like, Keep going. Keep trying different things. Don't stop. Keep exploring. Life is an adventure. Well put, man. Go well put. It. Yeah. Thank you. Do I have a TED talk in me? Is that what you're telling me? I think you've got a few. <laughs> what I've so far, what I've heard is you got a few. I mean, the, the story of you. I love that you were a pilot, wanted to be a pilot since the very beginning, right? And I'm sure the story of you coming out would be really fascinating as well, and what you learned about that, and these big shifts that you've made in your life. You know, your story is really inspiring to people because there's so many people that are like listening to this being like, yeah, I'm kind of in that, I'm in that that mode right now. And I want to come out, whether it be about their sexuality or be about something else in their life. We're all aching for authenticity. You know, that's where we're going. That's where, in my mind, that's where we're going as as a collective, as a species, as a planet, is we're going towards authenticity, which is like a synonym for real reality, for like oneness, for you know, what we're really, who we really are, you know, and like the ultimate of who we really are is God is the ultimate of who we really are is source, right? And we're fragments of that source that consciously have decided to forget that we were that source. So we could have this like wonderful interplay together and remember, and what I mean by together is like, we're all the same thing anyway. It's like, you know, farting around and doing our thing, but we get to have a good time doing it. Right. And so like we to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like whether you like kind of ride the roller coaster with your hands up screaming and being super happy or you clench the bar you're going to end up at the same stop because we are part of a movement of a of a consciousness raising that is going to end up all as one that's where it's going right and we're like little blips in that as and we're part of that and so we can either go okay like this is happening or we can clench on and who knows maybe the best thing for you in this lifetime is to clench on because you need to learn to not clench on i don't know or maybe the best thing in this lifetime it sounds like if that's your biggest thing if that's one of the your triggers or one of your you know challenges sounds like you're meant to address it in this lifetime you know so that maybe the next lifetime is just like super chill and awesome or maybe end up being a murderer i don't know all fine yeah (laughs) As long as you're a sociopath, you don't want to be a murderer who like feels bad about it. You yeah, want to be a sociopath. Yeah, you, you don't want that. I don't think if you're going to be a murderer, you want to like get rid of that emotion. It's just <laughs> it's constant wisdom from you, and that's what I love. It's nonstop <laughs> wisdom. Um, <laughs> the kind so, of murderer you want to be. In terms of uh, who you're looking for, in terms of what your business does, what type yeah. of people? There's lots of coaches, entrepreneurs, very inspiring people listen to this podcast. So, uh, yeah. who do you love to work with? I mean, my ideal person is either a woman who is really going, really expanding, like she's doing her calling. And here's the thing, Nathan, most, most of the women that I come into contact regarding a TED talk, that's what they're doing, mm. right? The reason I say, so I'd say 99% of the women that I talk to, those are the ones I want to talk to. They are, they're expanding. They're doing it for the community. They're doing it for the collective. They're doing it for inclusion. They're doing this TED talk because they know that their voice could help raise consciousness. They know that their voice could help move us towards a more balanced world, right? Men, on the other hand, I do not want to work with men that are anywhere close to only trying to sell something, right? If you're just wanting to sell something, you want to do a TED Talk because you can sell more, whatever's, don't call. We're not a fit. We can get that out of the way right now. Mm. Save, our, save ourselves both some time. This come from if, you, if, if a man, if your message will clearly raise up the movement that is happening in our culture right now of feminine leadership, of, of, of a more balanced society, 
if it is very clear, so you're going to talk about masculinity, you're going to talk about personal development, you're going to talk about uh, an idea that could uplift humanity and ideally move it towards more balance, which means that your talk would have a, a skew that would really empower the feminine, then I'm absolutely all, all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. I feel like we're at a point in time right now in our development as a, as a species where things do need to shift toward the feminine, toward more feminine leadership, toward so much like exponentially more feminine involvement in all, in, in all sectors of leadership and all sectors, let's say just in all sectors. Okay. Because we've seen very clearly what happens when men, men run the world, turn on CNN, right? It's very, I don't know, I don't know how many times we need to learn it, that, that this shit needs to change, but I, I feel pretty clear on it. So people that whose messages could genuinely shift humanity for the better. And if you don't know if yours, if you're a man, and you don't know if yours would shift humanity for the better, then it won't. Cause you, you know, you get a yes in your body. If this would shift humanity for the better. Fuck yes, let's talk. If your woman chances, in my experience, I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on guys or something like that. But this is, in my experience, most of the women that I've talked to, their messages are very clear on shifting humanity and raising consciousness. Beautiful. And where do people find you? My email is taylor at taylorconroy.com. You can just email me. We'll, we'll hop on the line. I'll get you on the line with someone on my team. And our website is, actually, you know what the best is? Like Instagram. Instagram is, mm. is the best way to connect at Taylor A. Conroy. If you just type in Taylor Conroy, you'll find it. There's not that many of, of us Taylor Conroys. Connect with me on there. We'll talk about your idea. We'll riff back and forth. You know, let me know if you feel like you're ready, not ready, all the things. And if you are, then like I said, we can, and if you know, your message is awesome, then we can guarantee that we'll help you land a talk. Beautiful. Uh, last for question for you. Yeah. Uh, standard question for everyone. Crowd favorite. And don't need to overthink it or overanalyze it, but what is your dark side? Oh, dude, where do I start? <laughs> exactly, it's a good answer. Yeah. And where there's I... a follow-up question is, how do you embrace it? Or have you found ways to embrace the dark parts of you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the dark side of me is represented in Donald Trump, okay? So, and the reason I know that is because he fucking triggers the fuck out of me. <laughs> right. Right? And that is a sign that he has a whole bunch of stuff that I have in me. That's what it means. If you hate Donald Trump, then you're similar to him. Sorry, hate to break it to you. It's just how mm. it is. Um, if you're not triggered by him at all, good job. You've done some awesome personal work. If you're triggered by him, that's a sign you've got some some stuff. And and as do I, right? So he is a represent representation of the immature masculine. He's like the perfect, amazing, you know, archetype or or symbol representation of uh, manifestation of the immature masculine. And he's driven by, you know, it seems to be driven by a feeling of inadequacy. And so I know a lot of, a lot of what all the decisions, a lot of the decisions that I've made in my life is from a feeling of inadequacy. So you might say my dark side is feeling like I'm not enough. Mm. Right. And how do I face that is number one is being aware of it. And number two is doing the work, whether it be like the real on this earth, personal development work. My favorite was the Hoffman process. I really loved it. It's a week deep dive, you go to Napa and it's like a real freaking thing. It's for, for real. A lot of tears, a lot of shit. Anyways, it's facing your dark, right? So doing the real world stuff here, whether it be ALA or MITT or Landmark or Hoffman or whatever that is. And I really love the the work that the natural plant medicines can can bring, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be psilocybin, whether it be ayahuasca, whether it be San Pedro, whether it be peyote, whether it be whatever it is that you're called to, if you're called to one of those, and if you're called to one of those and you get scared about it, then that's probably even a better reason to to embrace it and go towards it. I think those are really wonderful gateways where we get to stare our dark in the face and take the choice whether we run away from it or whether we dive into its mouth and explore where it's coming from because that dark is covering up some fucking gold. You know what I mean? It's a cover. It's That fear is is covering up something really juicy and beautiful that that really wants to be looked at. And that's why it's your dark or our dark or my dark is because it's, it's coming up to be like, hey, this need some attention. Yeah. Right. That's what it's saying. It's our subconscious. Like there's something you haven't dealt with. You're out of alignment. You're in contrast with yourself point. It's pointing to something. Let's go see what it's pointing to because chances are like, it's a, it's absolutely an absolute treasure that it's pointing to guaranteed. Yeah. Very similar to my dark side. They're not good enough. And my coach, uh, she pointed out to me as being, she'll say to me, are you trying to prove something right now? Yeah. And like nice that's one. how it expresses, right? It's like proving behavior, trying to prove myself yeah. in different ways. And this is a surefire way to suck the fun out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Taylor, again, 
pleasure being with you. Pleasure spending time. I know we've gone a little bit over yeah. time, so thanks for hanging in there a bit longer than normal. Uh, yeah, brought a ton of value today. So thanks very much. Beautiful. Yeah, hope people reach out to you and get some more people on stages. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for being part of this. Thanks, brother. Well, yeah, folks, my conversation with the wonderful Taylor Conroy. I hope you enjoyed that uh, as much as I did. It was a long one. Uh, and I loved being able to just open up and share openly with Taylor. He was that kind of guy. He created a really wonderful environment for us to both share. And I really appreciate that. Don't forget to go check out his website, taylorconroy.com. You can email him, taylor at taylorconroy.com. Or head over to Instagram. Follow him and drop him a message there. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share it around. If you could leave a review on iTunes, you'd be in to get a copy of Seth Godin's new book, This Is Marketing, which uh, I'm taking a ton out of. So I would be grateful to jump onto Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a review, and I'll love you forever. Guys, thanks as always for uh, tuning in, listening, whatever platform you're listening or watching on, and I'll be back next week with episode number 78 of The Nathan Seward Show. That was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.